We're going to look together this morning at Psalm 91, and I want to begin by reading verses 1 and 2, Psalm 91, and I'll read from verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It's a very lovely and encouraging psalm. We're not told who wrote it. We're not told of the occasion on which it was written. And so it is timeless. And it has been a source of great comfort to believers down through the years. I thought it'd be good to look at this psalm as the pandemic, for us at least in Britain, is easing. It's a psalm which we looked at when the pandemic was starting And uh, it's good now to think as we're perhaps emerging into greater freedom. Well, is the psalm still a source of encouragement to us? Because as the pandemic came and we realized there was a virus that could make people seriously ill and that some people were going to die, perhaps you read the psalm and you thought, well, I wonder, can I trust what this psalm is saying? Surely he will save you from the fouler snare and from the deadly pestilence. And uh, many people have experienced great fear and anxiety during the pandemic, and still do. And there's still a, a great, to a large extent, fear in the hearts of many people. And that's true of Christians as well as non-Christians. It's going to be something really important as we move forward into the future. And so the psalm reminds us of what it means to rest in the shadow of the Almighty, to rest in the shadow of El Shaddai, Almighty God. And it's something which we need to know and to experience. I think sometimes that a Bible passage which we read, and we think, well, that was very helpful, and I I agree with all of that. But we don't so much do what the passage is talking about. So are we constantly, consciously dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, El Elyon, another name of God in the Old Testament? Are we resting? In the picture of somebody who's going to sleep at night and at peace because they're in the shadow of El Shaddai, God Almighty. Is that where we live Uh, Can we say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust? Uh, There's something experiential about being a Christian. Because these things are true of us, people should look at us and say, "You, you seem to be at rest, you seem to be at peace. You don't seem to be as anxious and worried as other people are. Why is that? And we say, well, because I'm, I'm resting in the shadow of almighty God. And his care, his presence, his protection is something very real to me. I have a security because he is watching over me. In times of danger when I'm exposed and feel myself surrounded, uh, I know that he is there and I am safe. And so I wanted to look at the psalm together and, and find encouragement in it and and hopefully to feel at the end that, that we are more consciously dwelling in the shelter of the Most High and resting in the shadow 
of the Almighty. Because the first part of of the psalm, the first 13 verses, are really a believer's testimony. This is what a person who believes in God, who knows God, in the Old Testament, or now in the New Testament in Jesus Christ, is able to say. He is my refuge. He's my shelter. He's the one under whose care I constantly live and abide. And the very names of God, and there are four different names of God in the first two verses, are a source of great encouragement to me. He is the most high God. He's the only true God. He's in heaven. And uh, all things are under his command. He has all power. He's the almighty. And then he's the Lord. And he is my God. And there's something personal there. And the general word for God, Elohim, is used in in verse 2. And so the names of God are meaningful to us. They're not just variations, but each one conveys something true about God himself. So, for instance, God revealed himself to Abraham as El Shaddai at a time when Abraham was wondering if the promise that he and Sarah would have a child would be fulfilled. He was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, And they still hadn't had a child. And on the face of it, it seemed unlikely that they would ever have a child. And then we're told when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And so God comes to Abraham and says, nothing's too hard for me. And uh, actually Abraham says, well, perhaps Ishmael could be the one who inherits the promises. And God said, no, your wife Sarah is going to bear a child because he is God Almighty. And then the the name Lord, which is in capital letters uh, in our English translations, is is the name Jehovah or Yahweh. And uh, it's the covenant name of God, the unchanging God. When Moses went Uh, into Egypt to set the people free, Uh, God said to him, when the people say, what is the name of the God in whom you are coming? Say, I am who I am. I am has sent me to you. The Lord, the God of your fathers. And he gave him this name, the Lord, Jehovah. Uh, Later he said to, to Moses, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And you know, as you read through the Old Testament again and again, uh, the great salvation from Egypt, the way the Lord redeemed his people and brought them out and took them to the promised land, is a constant point of reference. Uh, they're constantly remembering what the Lord did. And it was the Lord, the covenant God, who did that. And that was his name. So when that name was used, they always remembered that the Lord had redeemed them. For Christians, that name reminds us particularly of Jesus and the even greater salvation that God accomplished at Calvary. And he is the Lord our God, the one in whom we trust is the Most High. He's almighty. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the one of whom we can say he is my God. Can you say that this morning? You just don't simply say, I believe in God in a general sense. But I know God as my God. Uh, It's something that happened, something that became real for you at some point in your life. 
And you're able to say, it's my God in whom I trust. And you have these different pictures, dwelling, resting, trusting. And it's a wonderful picture of security, the security of the believer. Because God provides us with shelter, with a shadow, with a refuge. You know, think of yourself out perhaps walking uh, on the hills and, and suddenly dark clouds come over and you, you're looking for a place to shelter as a storm comes. Do you run perhaps under some trees or perhaps there is an actual shelter and you rush there and, and suddenly the rain is no longer landing on you and uh, you stay there until the rain has gone. God's a refuge. He's a fortress. You know, sometimes perhaps when we're on holiday we go to, to castles and you think, what would it like for the people when the enemy came and attacked them to stand on top of those high walls and to think, there we are, we're up here, you can't reach us. We're safe. God is a refuge. He's a fortress. And it, the overall picture is one of strength and of safety and of tender personal care. And uh, taking refuge in the Lord is, is a definite and decisive act. We The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and are safe. That's the kind of thing we do. What do you do when there are problems and difficulties? You you run to the Lord like a child runs to a parent in times of danger. We go to the Lord and find refuge in him. It's a lovely example of that in the Old Testament of Ruth, who was a Moabitess. And uh, when uh, Naomi and Elimelech came to Moab, uh, fleeing the famine in Bethlehem, uh, their sons married two Moabite women, one of whom was Ruth. And uh, when Elimelech died and the two boys died, and Naomi decided to go back to Bethlehem, Ruth went with her and uh, said, your God will be my God. She made a great decision. Uh, and later Boaz, when he meets her, says this, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Uh, I've been watching over these recent months some uh, ducklings uh, that are born on the canal near where we live, and they're now quite mature. But when they were little, they were stuck close to their mum, and she was there protecting them. Here's this picture of a, of a bird protecting its, its young. Uh, wings, refuge. And again, you see how how practical it is. Where do we go in times of danger? Well, we go to the Lord and we take refuge under him. And it's a good thing, isn't it, to reaffirm our trust in him. The first verse is a statement. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That's a great truth. But verse two is more personal. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And it's good to reaffirm that trust when we're experiencing his goodness and thanking him for his blessings, when we're in times of danger or, or worry or anxiety, when we set out to serve the Lord and perhaps do things which we don't find easy, but we are trusting in him. And we remember his greatness and uh, we remember the fact that as we put our trust in him, he fulfills his promises. And so there's a great testimony here from the believer. He is my refuge. And then the psalmist goes on in verse 3 to encourage others. He's 
given his confession of faith. And then he says in verse 3, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. Whoever's reading this psalm, this same Lord in whom I put my trust, he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. And uh, the yous here are all singular. It's not talking about you, lots of people, but you, singular. It's a personal thing. Because faith in God is a, a personal thing. And uh, we look to him to save us. You see, the psalmist understands uh, the dangers that there are in life. And uh, these pictures that he paints of a fowler snare, that's a person who catches birds in a trap, uh, deadly pestilence, disease, uh, the terror of night, the arrow that flies by day. It was a time of war and conflict and people died in conflicts. And... Uh, they can be seen metaphorically as pictures of all the dangers that aren't also literally. They attack the mind, they attack the body, they come from people. Sometimes they come from the world itself. They may be unseen and uh, we, we're not aware that they're, they're there. Uh, verse 6, the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, the plague that destroys at midday, sometimes at night, sometimes in day. And uh, you think today of, of modern warfare. And uh, missiles, missiles that could be fired from hundreds of miles away with a very specific target. And the person being targeted has no idea that the missile is on its way until it strikes and destroys them. Or drone warfare, with these drones that are up in the sky and you, you can't see them, but they're watching, they're listening. And the world is a dangerous place, even when you're not involved in wars and, and conflicts. And, uh, even the strong are made helpless uh, by things that come and uh, experience their weakness. You, you sense that if you saw the uh, situation where the Danish uh, footballer was uh, suddenly, suddenly collapsed, had a heart attack in the middle of a game and suddenly realised how, how everybody watching felt so helpless. Suddenly something had come which was too big for them. But, but the psalmist says that God's perfect protection is sure. He will save you from the fowler snare. He will cover you with his wings and under his, uh, with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Isn't that again a lovely mixture of pictures? Feathers, soft, in, in a sense seemingly vulnerable. But then there's that shield and that rampart, that wall. Uh, and God is, is all of that. There's a gentleness, but there's also a strength. You think sometimes of, of uh, civil demonstrations and, and the police hold their shields next to each other like Roman soldiers when they were facing any would have held their shields. And God is a shield and, and arrows are fired, but the shield meets it and keeps you safe. And uh, so he can say, you will not fear the terror of night. Is that true? Are you trusting God so much that you're not afraid? You're not afraid of the virus. You're not afraid of what can happen. You see, one of the reasons why I felt it would be good to look at this psalm now is because we've had 15 months of the virus and wonderfully the Lord has kept us safe. We're conscious of those who have had the virus and those who have suffered and died, those who have lost loved ones. But we can also thank God that he has kept us safe. 
You know, sometimes people say, well, of course, things aren't as bad now because we've got the vaccine. So if we've been vaccinated, we're safer, and that's true. We're not as vulnerable as we were 12 months ago. But right from the beginning, and even before that, the protection of the Lord, the reality of his care, was there. And can you say today, I feel safer now because I've seen how the Lord has been with me. And he has kept me, he saved me, he's covered me. And uh, those things didn't come near me. We have seen it and we've been sad about it. Um, But no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. You're a people who are living in tents, not houses. Uh, And even, he says, the angels are protecting. He will command in verse 11 his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. As we think about angels, angels that minister to those who have been saved and unseen beings uh, who make us not only merely survivors but victors, more than conquerors through the love of God. And there's a wonderful warm protection and hard unyielding strength. And uh, the concern of God to watch over and to care for his people because he's able to help us in, in every situation you think of the, the people of Israel coming out of uh, Egypt, and they came out, a large number of them, hundreds of thousands of them, men, women, and children. And then Pharaoh changes his mind, and he sends his army after them, and they get hemmed in by the mountains and by the sea and by the Egyptian army. And they start to cry out in fear, and they say, we've had it. And uh, Moses tells them, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the the Red Sea opens up and they pass through in safety and the Egyptians, when they follow, uh, die as the sea comes back. What God does to protect his people, sometimes vast, great events like that and sometimes just in the ordinary providences of our lives. And uh, his care is personal, particular and precise. In in verse 7, It says, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. In the order of the words, it says, you, it will not come near. The psalmist is speaking to each person personally. You will be protected. His providence is detailed, minutely detailed and exact. Remember Jesus saying, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. The hairs of our head. God knows us, every detail about us. Uh, Again, when Jesus is speaking to his disciples as they are going to face persecution, they will be betrayed, he says, by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair, a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life, he says. Again, this care of God, he knows us. He knows our anxieties and he meets our needs. And uh, so we can trust him and cheerfully submit to his will. Uh, the Bible study on Wednesday, uh, we were thinking about those three men in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the way Nebuchadnezzar uh, had said that uh, people should worship the idol that he had set up. 
uh, but they didn't do it and they were reported for not having done it and the penalty was to be thrown into a blazing furnace and uh, when the king challenges them this is what they say O King Nebuchadnezzar we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter if we are thrown into the blazing furnace the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Our God is able, they say. Isn't that amazing? This furnace was, was so fierce that the men who threw them into the furnace died with the heat. Like we think of the blast furnaces in the steelworks of our country and the world. And they say, God, our God, is able to deliver us from it. And uh, the the ministry of angels, uh, he will command his angels. And there are some examples of that. You think of the prophet Elisha. And uh, the Syrian army come against uh, Israel. They come against uh, Elisha's nation. It's amazing in In chapter 5 of 2 Kings, Naaman, the commander of the army of Syria, is healed from his leprosy. In chapter 6, the Syrians are attacking Israel. If there was any sort of truce for a time, it's gone now. But God is revealing to Elisha what the Syrian army is doing. And then they think, the Syrians think they've got a traitor amongst them. But it's God revealing to Elisha what the situation is. So they decide that they must uh, get hold of Elisha and stop him. And uh, then his servant, Elisha's servant, goes out when the Syrian army are there, and he sees an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. Oh no, my lord, he says, what shall we do? And uh, Elisha said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then he prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Here are the Lord's army, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. The army of Syria, don't be afraid of them because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I I ask myself and I ask you, do we believe that? Because it's easy, isn't it, to see the hosts of people arrayed against God and against his son and against the gospel and against his people. People in high places, people with authority and a growing intensity of opposition. And do we believe with all our hearts that he who is with us is more than those who are with him, with them, Uh, that he is surrounding us, he is our refuge and our shelter, and our fortress, uh, because his angels are commanded to guard us in all our ways. So we should never doubt that God is round about us. One of our hymns says, in heavenly love abiding. That's the same truth, isn't it, as this psalm. No change my heart shall fear, and safe is such confiding, for nothing changes here in other words when we've got difficult circumstances 
In terms of God's care, nothing has changed. The storm may roar without me, my heart may low be laid, but God is round about me, and can I be dismayed? You see why I said it's so important to experience that, that that really is where we are. That is where we are dwelling. That is where we are resting in the Most High God. We're resting in the shadow of El Shaddai and believe that he will deliver us and we have confidence in him. And so if you make the Most High, in verse 9 it says, your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, if you do what I have done, he's saying, then you will have the same confidence I have. So, so there's the, the belief testimony. And then as the psalm draws to a close, there is a reminder of the Lord's pledges and promises. There's a lovely picture in the last few verses of the, the believer. Because he loves me, because he cleaves to me in love is the sense of that. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So here come the promises of God to those who cleave in love to him, who acknowledge, who know his name and recognize who he is. When we call on him, he will answer. And so we set our hearts on him, and we know him, and we testify to him, and we pray to him. That's a, that's a picture of the church. You know, sometimes we reduce our Christianity to meetings, by which I mean we just go to a meeting, rather than recognizing that our whole relationship with God has got to do with the totality of our life as individuals and the mission to which God has called us in this world. And if we take that mission seriously, we need to seek heavenly resources to accomplish it. And it is in doing that that we grow in our confidence in God. But if we say, well, it's just another prayer meeting. Why should I go to that? It's just another service. Why should I go to that? We've lost our focus. The focus of the psalmist is a believer living in a world where there are both dangers and troubles, but also where there is a calling to be the people of God. And then we need all of the promises that God gives us here. Deliverance, protection, answered prayer, his personal presence and fellowship, honoring us and exalting us, immortality, glory, salvation. That reference to the, the last day, a solemn verse, verse 8, you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. You remember Abraham who interceded for Sodom as we should intercede for this evil world in which we live and pray for God's mercy. And, uh, well, the angel visitors go down and this terrible judgment comes upon those evil cities and, and Abraham stands and he sees it. And it was a solemn moment, a solemn day. And in that great day when God will judge the world in righteousness, those who have taken refuge in him will see it, but they will not be engulfed by it. And you know, all these promises have been already made good in Jesus. As we read this psalm, we cannot but think of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we've been looking at the temptations recently as Luke describes them, and how the devil took Jesus to the holy city and made him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, 
Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Satan quotes scripture, misquotes it. And Jesus says it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But what Satan is saying, he's with you. His angels are under his command and uh, they are guarding you in all your ways. And, and Jesus knew that. And after those temptations, the devil left him and angels came and attended him. That ministry of angels to Jesus. After the fierce temptation of 40 days, those angels came to minister to him. And then on the last night before he went to the cross, as he went to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and uh, urged his disciples to, pr- to pray that they would not fall into temptation. And then he himself withdrew from them and knelt down and prayed, Father, he said, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And an angel of heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. The cup cannot be taken away, but heavenly strength comes through an angel. The angels who ministered to Jesus. So Jesus has experienced the truth of these words in Psalm 91, of the angels commanded to guard him in all his ways. And so he submitted to the Father's will. And he is now exalted and crowned in glory. And we are urged to do the same, to recognize the wonderful care of God, his wonderful promises, which are all true and will be fulfilled. And so we, we rest in him. It's not because of our strength that we cope, because we have none. But it's through him who is faithful and mighty to save. And so as we, we emerge from the pandemic, how important it is for us to believe with all our hearts these things, not to be paralyzed to be fear, by fear, not to be hesitant, not feeling I can't go out and I can't come to church and I can't do things but rather to say with the psalmist, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is truth unchanged and unchanging. We thank you that it speaks to us in all the situations and circumstances of life. We thank you that it reminds us of who you are. You are the Most High God. You are the Lord God Almighty. You are the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are able to say to you, you are my God. Help us to rest in you, to abide in you. Uh, in the shadow of your presence and to trust you with all our hearts. Thank you for being with us through these uh, terrible months of sickness and death in our land and indeed around the world. Thank you for your protection and your care. Help us, Father, to reach out to those around us and to show them uh, your love and to encourage them to put their trust in you too and to know your protection. And we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who who suffered all kinds of temptations, 
yet did not sin, and then died on the cross for our sins and rose again in triumph. And we pray that you will help us to look to him and to be encouraged by him and to live for him every day of our lives. For we ask these things in his name.